Welcome to AM Now, where we bring you the trending accounting matters we're following. I'm your host, Adam Olson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Harger and Matt Fisser. Each bite-sized episode keeps you and your finance and accounting teams in the know. Join us each week as we unpack these issues, topics, and accounting matters now. You're listening to AM Now, an accounting matters podcast. I'm your host, Adam Olson. And I'm Nicole Harger. We have a mix of things to hit on this week with updates from the FASB and their new addition to the conceptual framework, new SEC rulemaking, PCAOB proposed standards, and recent developments from the ISSB as well as the European Sustainability Reporting Standards under the EU's CSRD. It's quite a few acronyms (laughs) in there. A lot of letters for you. (laughs) Adam, why don't you go ahead and kick things off with the FASB updates about their new chapter of its conceptual framework for financial reporting. Glad to. So I don't feel like we speak too often of the conceptual framework. So just to remind viewers what it is, the conceptual framework or concept statements as you may know them, is a body of interrelated objectives and fundamentals. The framework outlines the goals and purposes of financial reporting and provides guidance in selecting transactions, events, and circumstances to be accounted for, how they should be recognized and measured, and how they should be summarized and reported. Last week, the FASB released Chapter 2 of this framework that describes a reporting entity. In this chapter, a reporting entity is described as, and I quote, a circumscribed area of economic activities that can be represented by general purpose financial reports that are useful to existing and potential investors, lenders, and other resource providers in making decisions about providing resources to the entity. The new chapter also describes the three features of a reporting entity. They include economic activities have been conducted, Those economic activities can be distinguished from those of other entities. And then lastly, the financial information in general purpose financial reporting faithfully represents the economic activities conducted within the circumscribed area and is useful in making decisions about providing resources to the reporting entity. The chapter also describes how various types of financial statements, such as consolidated financial statements, parent-only financial statements, portion of an entity, and combined financial statements meet the objective of general purpose financial reporting. A lot of good reading there. (laughs) So moving on to the SEC side of things, within the last week, the SEC adopted three rules, two of which relate to the securities-based swaps markets. The first of those two rules was established to prevent fraud, manipulation, and deception in connection with security-based swap transactions. The rule takes into account the features fundamental to a security-based swap and will aid the Commission in its pursuit of actions that directly target misconduct that reaches security-based swaps. The second rule is to prevent undue influence over the chief compliance officer of security-based swap dealers and major security-based swap participants. The third rule changes adopted by the SEC last week is to remove and replace references to credit ratings from existing exceptions provided in Rules 101 and 102 of Regulation M, a set of rules that prohibits activities that could artificially influence the market for an offered security. So specifically, the amendments will remove certain existing rule exceptions in Rules 101 and 102 of Regulation M that reference credit ratings for non-convertible debt securities 
non-convertible preferred securities and asset-backed securities and substitute in their place new exceptions that are based on alternative standards of creditworthiness. These substitutes include exceptions for non-convertible debt securities and non-convertible preferred securities of issuers who meet a specified probability of default threshold and exceptions for asset-backed securities that are offered pursuant to an effective shelf registration statement filed on the commission's form SF3. The commission also adopted a record preservation requirement for broker-dealers who rely on Rule 101 or 102's new exception for non-convertible debt securities and non-convertible preferred securities. For all three final rules we just discussed, the adopting release will be published in the Federal Register. Like all other rules, the final rules will become effective 60 days after the date of publication of the adopting release in the Federal Register. Moving right along, the PCAOB also had some movement this past week. Specifically, they issued a proposal to increase auditor vigilance against fraud and other forms of noncompliance with laws and regulations. Broadly, the proposal seeks to strengthen and enhance auditor obligations related to a company's noncompliance with laws and regulations in three key respects. First, the proposal creates specific requirements for auditors to proactively identify through inquiry and other procedures, laws and regulations that are applicable to the company and that could have a material effect on the financial statements if not complied with. The proposal also makes explicit that financial statement fraud is a type of noncompliance with the laws and regulations. Yeah, and second to that, the proposal strengthens requirements related to the auditor's evaluation of whether noncompliance with laws and regulations has occurred, and if so, the possible effects on the financial statements and other aspects of the audit. For example, the proposed standard would require the auditor to consider whether specialized skills or knowledge is needed to assist the auditor in evaluating information indicating noncompliance has or may have occurred. And lastly, the proposal makes it clear that the auditor is required to communicate to the appropriate level of management and the audit committee as soon as they are made aware that noncompliance with laws or regulations has or may have occurred. Additionally, the proposal creates a new requirement that the auditor must communicate to management and the audit committee the results of the auditor's evaluation of such information. Specifically, this communication would address which matters are likely non-compliant and the effect on the financial statements for those matters that are likely non-compliant. The deadline for public comment on the proposal is August 7th. And rounding us out this week, we have a couple sustainability reporting updates. First, the ISSB recently partnered with the World Economic Forum to put together a group of sustainability professionals specifically called the Forum ISSB Preparers Group that focuses on sharing best practices of adopting the ISSB's first sustainability standards, which are expected to be issued at the end of this month. Specifically, the preparers group will take information learned from early adopters of IFRS sustainability disclosure standards and share perspectives from preparers of corporate sustainability reporting through direct engagement with the ISSB, insights into best practices when applying the standards, feedback on the feasibility and practicability of the application of the standards, including the potential need for further guidance, feedback on guidance material, and insight into corporate reporting transformations in response to the ISSB's disclosure requirements. 
And finally, to wrap us up, we have some big news as it relates to the EU's CSRD and the finalization of the European Sustainability Reporting Standards. At the end of last week, the European Commission published the draft or delegated act of the first set of European Sustainability Reporting Standards. Considering the feedback received from EU member states, EU agencies, industry, and other stakeholders, the Commission made several changes to the November 2022 EFRAG drafts. The most significant amendments are proposals to ease the burden on smaller companies and first-time reporters by extending the phase-in times for some key sustainability factors, such as Scope 3 value chain emissions and rules enabling all companies to focus specifically on material sustainability factors. In addition, further updates to enhance interoperability with the ISSB standards have been proposed. The Commission said that it anticipates that its proposals will result in cost reductions during the phase-in period of nearly 1.2 billion euros and 230 million euros on an annual basis, compared with the original proposals last November. It should be highlighted, however, that not all stakeholders are happy with the Commission's proposed amendments. European Sustainable and Responsible Investment Association Eurocef released a statement after the Commission made available its delegated act. They noted, We acknowledge the challenges preparers will face when complying with ESRS. However, the EU Commission should not prioritize reducing reporting requirements at the expense of the public interest and other stakeholders, including investors and financial institutions in dire need of sustainability information to comply with their own regulatory requirements. If not amended, this draft delegated act will hinder the capacity of investors to make informed sustainable investment decisions and risks jeopardizing EU commitments to deliver on the the EU's Green Deal and climate law ambitions. The draft is open for comment until July 7th. The European Commission is expected to adopt the draft, which would become effective for companies within the scope of the first phase of reporting under CSRD beginning January 1st, 2024. Uh, not that far away. And that rounds us out for this week. For a deeper dive into what's trending in accounting and finance, check out our other podcasts on the Accounting Matters feed on your preferred listening platform. Again, I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Nicole Harger. Thanks for listening to AM Now. We'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.